Welcome to the Mostly Pilot Night, Mostly. I am Graveyard, joined by my co-host, Salem. Hello. This is episode four of our new weekly All Things Horror podcast. Our topic for this week is a trilogy of horror movies written and directed by Jordan Peele. That includes Get Out, Us, and the newest entry, Nope. So the first movie we're going to be discussing today is Get Out. Um, this was the first horror movie written and directed by Jordan Peele. Um, plot is kind of goes along like this. Uh, shows the main character, Chris, um, and he's dating uh, Rose for about four months. And they're again having to get away to her parents' house and, you know, meeting his her family for the very first time. You know, unbeknownst to her at this point and Chris that, you know, they're having a huge party they have every once in a while and he's meeting all these friends and family members of uh, Rose's family. Um, and he starts noticing strange things occurring throughout the house that they have um, a maid and they have like a groundskeeper um, that just happen to be black and they seem pretty young and kind of weird things are occurring around them. You know, one thing is his cell phone keeps getting unplugged, you know, at that point in time didn't have fast chargers for cell phones so it's always a big point of contention of having your cell phone always charged um and then he realizes that uh essentially that the family's having an auction for his body uh that the rose's dad was able to figure out how to transfer consciousness or at least part of the human brain into another person's body so they can you know live longer have you know have feats or strengths or something characteristics of someone else that they want. Um, they're going for Chris. The guy who's going for Chris is played by Steven Root. Um, he's a blind guy who is an art dealer who happens to know Chris's work as Chris is a photographer. And really he doesn't care, you know, what he is. He just wants his eyes. He wants to be able to see again. He wants to see the artistic side of things. And then you just kind of unravel the mystery of what's going on. And it's all about Chris trying to survive, to keep consciousness uh, as part of this, um, the Rose's mother hypnotizes Chris and goes, you know, into the, well, I don't remember what they call it, the deep or the, the sunken place, the sunken place um, under the ruse of helping him quit smoking. But it's a way to hypnotize people because they can't fully extract the entire brain and do a full brain transplant. They have to leave all the connectors to the nerves and spinal cord there. So they kind of put people in a trance um, kind of very similar to, the Black Mirror episode where they were able to do that. Um, and then and Chris, you know, gets out and is able to survive this ordeal. Um, so I remember the first time hearing about this movie, you know, people are getting pretty hyped up. You know, Jordan Peele was known for his comedy, Key and Pe- you know, working with Key and Peele and all this other stuff. And um, I saw this movie in theaters. I don't know if you did, Salem. I did not, no. Yeah, so I saw the theaters, and I thought, for initially, I'm like, wow, this is a pretty well-made movie. This is a pretty good horror movie from a guy who typically writes comedies. Um, I thought that was amazing. I, I was excited because, you know, this is part of the scene that we were getting with new horror directors coming in there, and we we're finding out that some comedians are able to write good horror movies. You know, Jordan Peele is one of them. Um, you know, Danny McBride helped write Alien Covenant. Also starred in it, too. Uh, also starred in it, too, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're seeing that, you know, every once in a while we'll get, you know, a comedian in a horror movie 
somewhere along the way, right? And sometimes it works really well. Like, I, you know, not necessarily horror, but number 23 of Jim Carrey. I think he did a really great job in that. Yeah, no, that was, that was a cool movie. I like that movie. You know, so I'm like, all right, I'm, this is Jordan Peele's someone to watch out for if he continues to make more horror movies. And, you know, luckily we were able to get more from him. And, you know, what were your first thoughts when you watched this? Um, yeah, like I said, I didn't see it in, in theaters. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of uh, want to see it at the time. Um, I mean, I knew him as a comedy guy, and I was like, oh, okay, he's making a horror movie, whatever. You know, I, I mean, it didn't really, you know, set off any bells for me. But then later on, there was just so much buzz going on about it. I mean, there was like a tsunami of buzz. Like, everybody was talking about it. Um, right. And so then by that time, I'm like, okay, okay, fine, I'll go watch it. You know, and then it was out of theaters by that point. Um, so, yeah, I watched it. Um, I think... I mean, I, I rent. I, I know I paid to rent it because it was still pretty new at the at the time, um, and watched it. And I thought it was great. I mean, I thought it was awesome. Um, yeah. I, again, I did not expect that by seeing the you know the the previews or anything like that. I just was like, nah. You know, I didn't I didn't really care at the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it turned out to be to be a great movie. Uh, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was yeah, it was definitely very well acted, very well done. I think everybody was um, cast pretty great i mean i don't see any standouts as being you know bad or or even questionable i thought they were all great yeah i mean i think there's you know there's some there's some comedic relief with with chris's buddy right who works for the tsa he was kind of the comic relief for, for everything in here mm-hmm. um, and i thought he did a really great job too i'm pretty sure that's the same guy that was in uh uh, uh, uh free guy as ryan reynolds buddy that, sound, that sounds right. Yeah. I don't know if that is right. It sounds right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I said I'd watched it. You know, when it came out in theaters, and then I hadn't watched it again until you know prepping for the for this podcast, and you know, kind of going into it, especially when there's twists that will get into. Um, well, not really a twist. We already said it. you know they're, they're swapping brains, right? Um, you know, I think it was just a good way to kind of watch again, you know, signs and, you know, more of the oddities that were happening within it, right? Um, I thought it was just as good on the rewatch for me, quite honestly. Yeah, no, yeah, rewatching it, um, yeah, even though I knew what was coming, like, I, you know, obviously I knew what the end was going to be, it was still a great movie, like, I still loved watching it. I mean, I wasn't looking at the clock at all when I, when I was watching through it the second time. So like I said, it's, it still holds up, you know, as, as being, you know, the quality of movie, it's not just dependent on its, you know, ending or twist or anything. It's just a good movie, you know, straight up. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that on the rewatch, I realized I should probably watch this every, every so often, maybe when the next one comes out, if Jordan Beale keeps doing these, I hope he does. And just kind of as a rewatch, and you know, who knows? You know, I'm quite honestly surprised people haven't been clamoring for a shared universe from him yet with all these things. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's kind of leaning towards that. Well, I mean, obviously not, maybe not the second one, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, well, I mean, I guess we'll talk about it when we get there. But yeah, I mean, there's interesting like alternate world things happening in his later movies. I mean, yeah, it's oh, the trilogy as a whole is like I don't ever foresee it needing to be a shared universe. 
quite honestly. I think it's each one's a good standalone plot. Um, but Get Out really could have sequels. You know, it, 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 the family could be not the only ones doing this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, well, like I said, you know, watching the movie, there was a whole society or order, I think they call them, of people that were, you know, willing to do this. And it's already happened to several people, as we saw, right? Right. So, I mean, who knows how many they did? Because when you're looking through that box of photos with, uh, you know, Rose, his girlfriend, you know, and she was with a lot of other people, right? And so right. we're assuming that all of those people were drafted into this program. So, I mean, I mean how many pictures were there? Ten? Uh, yeah, and that's just from Rose and the brothers right. doing this, you know, not, you know, dating the person right. and sleeping yeah. with them, all that stuff. Yeah, but, he's not you seducing know, him, he's just attacking him. Right, which we saw at the very beginning of the movie. That's where we got uh, Andre from. That's We saw him go missing at the very beginning, and then we see him come back. And that's the only one that we, other than Rose's grandparents that were transferred into, you know, I, I think at this point they were just acting as the maid and the groundkeeper. Obviously, it's her grandparents, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a okay way of doing it. I don't know. If, I don't, do you think they could have done that any better of explanation of why they were there? Or do you think it was just having them play along just for the purpose of Chris being there? Um, I think it was just for the purpose of Chris being there. I mean, I don't, that was a, kind of an off-putting part of it is like, you know, obviously, um, you know, I mean, to, for, for like old white people to try to act like, you know, black folks when, you know, another black dude comes around, how did they think they were going to get away with that? Right. What was, you know what uh, I mean? I mean, like yeah. you're talking like a, a fucking old, you know, white dude that's like 80 years old. Like, obviously, you are out of place. You know, like just you know, Chris trying to have a conversation where he's like, "What is up with this guy?" Because he is not talking like anybody he's ever talked to before. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know why they thought they were going to get rid of that. Yeah, I don't know. Just go hide in a guest house somewhere or for a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just go on vacation. It's not like they were doing anything necessary. I mean, I guess if they required servants that badly, but. Right. I, I doubt that. That didn't seem like there was anything they couldn't do themselves. Yeah, I mean, they were there to kind of show, I guess, to show the oddities and you know, the kind of, like, having Chris notice things that are off. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it was were. definitely there for, for you know, right. foreshadowing and to build the tension and everything. I get, movie-wise, I get why they were there. <laughs> I'm just saying, realistically, like, what the hell were they thinking? Right, and you know that kind of goes into you know our suspension of disbelief. Right, we always have to have some of it, especially with horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I mean that would kind of that's the suspension of disbelief part right there for me is them being there. Um, and I understand you know the the commentary that Jordan Peele's making with you know the crusty old white guys wanting to get into you know black people's bodies. Um. I just I find it weird that it's only black people. I think it just you know could have been anyone in particular. But um, you know, what are your thoughts of the suspension of disbelief for this movie? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, again, it's just you know your typical kind of well, not typical, but it's it's a, like a mad scientist story. You know, um, you can't really look too far into like the method that they're using because it's not going to be believable. <laughs> um, but it's a mad scientist story, so you just gotta kind of have to go, okay, whatever this guy is doing is possible, right? You know, right. even if whatever lame excuse they have or or reason for it working, whatever, you just you know, you just have to 
swallow that and believe it. That's, you know, in order, the story is not going to work if you don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting. I mean, I think the whole thing stems from, you know, when they said, you know, his, his grandpa's claim to fame was that he lost to Jesse Owens for, um, for the Olympics. Right. And then Jesse Owens obviously won the gold and won the whole thing. And it was such an important thing for him to do, you know, obviously, because that was those were the Nazi Olympics. Right. You know, so I think at that moment when, you know, that's when he like came up with that idea for the order. And he was like, you know, black people are superior to us in only one way. And that's the physical. Right. Right. And so to make this perfect being, we have to take our superior white brain and then overwrite, you know, this, you know, perfect you know black body or genetic what did they call like what did the brother call it like genetic uh predisposition or like predisposed right like genetic advantages or something he said something something like like that that, right um so yeah so it's basically they see black people as physically superior but of course you know they're not as good as white people mentally this is you know so their their racism is going only in one direction so yeah, I, I mean, obviously, it's it probably worse that way, but right, <laughs> well, especially for Chris and the rest of these people. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's essentially, I think, why he got to that point. I mean, they threw in that little tidbit there, so you can kind of noodle that out, you know, yourself. Which is, you know, I, I, there wasn't anything happening that I was like, "There's no way in hell this would happen." I mean, maybe could have, <laughs> obviously. I mean, as soon as hypnotism came into it, I knew I was like, "Oh, she's bad." I mean, right. because any movie with hypnotism in it, especially any kind of horror adjacent movie with hypnotism in it is bad. It's bad. There's never, ever a good result from hypnotism. It just doesn't happen. Do, scoring off of the hypnotism, do you find that really hard to believe? Because, you know, the, the people are mentalists or hypnotists and, you know, they say they can only do it to people that are willing to be hypnotized, that you have mm-hmm. to have a certain you have to be in a certain frame of mind you have to be willing to accept it and chris without knowing i don't think he really accepted it he just kind of you know he made the joke of you know the the swing of the watch right the classic hypnotist part mm-hmm. and you know the rose's mom using the teacup right right to create just a constant sound like a, a wave sound of the spoon scraping against the side of the tea um do you find it really hard to believe that she would be able to just be able to do that non, you know, to every person that comes across it? Yeah, I mean, me personally, I, hypnotism is is bullshit. You right. know, that's what, <laughs> well, yeah. what I personally believe. In the real world, it's like there's no way. But I mean, if I go into movies thinking that, I mean, I'm going to not have a good time in any movie that has hypnotism in it at all because that's they all that's what hypnotism does in every movie that it's a part of. And you know, there's some movies that have hypnotism in that I really like. I mean, this is one of them. That, yeah. you know, you kind of have to just go along for the ride. Otherwise, the story is not going to make sense and you're going to hate it. Right. Um, so, 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 yeah, I mean, is it technically possible, at least with some people? Sure. You know, I mean, I've seen people do a lot of goofy stuff, but who knows, you know, how much of that is acting or not. But it does genuinely help people. So, right. So, you, you, I mean, that obviously is some suspension of disbelief there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, <laughs> all, there has to be in order to <laughs> it. Right. Um, I mean, you think about like how many times this this has to have happened, right? We know at least ten with Rose, and it seems like the brother has a more direct and faster method. You know, Rose has to date these guys for a certain period of time, 
before they naturally go up to the house, right? So her process well, is going to be longer. Well, yeah, I mean, because, I mean, it's going to take a bit, um, you know, to date a black guy and then get him ready to go meet your white family in an out-of-place, very, very white place, right? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to take some time to, to warm him up to that. What about the, uh, was it uh, Rodney? I believe his friend's name went to the cops. You know, how'd you feel about their reaction to it saying someone's missing? Do you think that was just another, uh, social commentary point in there? Is that stuff like that can't happen and cops just don't take people seriously? Um, well, I mean, I think that's just built on truth. I mean, well, I mean, because if you're going in and you're saying, uh, like he did, like, okay. My friend went away with his girlfriend for the weekend, and I haven't heard from him for two days. You know, and what are they going to say? And, I mean, like, you know, that's a very common thing. Like, why would they be talking to you when they're on their holiday with each other, right? Right. So to them, yeah, it doesn't matter how much you say, no, 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 it's not like him. You know, I'm watching his dog. You know, he, he should be talking to me. They don't, they, they're not going to hear that. Right. It's going to be like, eh, whatever, this is most likely not my problem. I mean, if you're into any true crime stuff at all, you hear this story all the time where, you know, they try to report a missing earlier and the cops are just like, whatever, you know, you know, kids run away, you know, people just, you know, want to get away for a, a you know, a couple days, especially before our modern digital age, you know, it, people would disappear for a week at a time all the time, according to them. Anyway. Right. So you didn't, um, so yeah. was, you didn't think that was just, you think that's just a normal thing, not just a social commentary, or you think it's a little bit of both? Yeah, it's definitely a little bit of both. I mean, but it, it does happen that way. I mean, right. I mean, them like laughing at him directly to his face. Yeah, that's that's social commentary. They, I highly, <laughs> highly doubt they would do that. But um, right. I mean, they would do that behind his back, of course, but they would never do that directly to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, like them going, yeah, there's no, there's nothing we can do. Like, get out of here. You know, to somebody that went away with his girlfriend for two days. Right. Of course, of course they're going to say that. Now, uh, you know, um, if you were put in that situation, you know, like meeting someone and then meeting their family for four months, regardless of anything else, mm-hmm. you know, would you, at what point would you have been like, no, I'm out of here? Hypnotism. As soon as <laughs> as soon as she's like, you know, hey, let me get you hypnotized. I'm just nope. <laughs> I am out of here. I mean, I would just be like, no, I don't know, not for me. I'm out of, you know, I'm leaving. Right. I would just go straight upstairs. I'm too tired. I'm going to bed. And if they kept pushing it, I would just, yep, yeah, well, we're going, we're getting out of here. Because me personally, it freaks me out. But I mean, I think anyone meeting someone's family for the first time, especially after four months, you know, obviously, I've been with with Kylie for. 20 years at this point right mm-hmm. um you know but for you you know you're, you're you're not married and you've had girlfriends you know was do you think the meeting of the family was as awkward as it is in real life oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah um i mean yeah i mean that first time because i mean they'll tell you stories about how their family or their you know their, their friends are right right but like when you meet them that first time i mean you're really meeting them you know you're not hearing these stories because usually those stories are told with rose-colored glasses right right I mean, those are always you know stories that are told they're, they're showing their best side or at least you know glossing over the rest of the kind of stuff you meet them in person and they may be weird you know like you know she kind of warmed him up to the like oh you know he, he voted he would vote for obama three times if he could <laughs> and he's right. probably going to talk to you about that but you know she didn't talk you know you know she didn't push him into the, like you know yeah they're kind of like 
um, uh, you know, a racist, but not in the direct way. You know, they're, I mean, they're trying to be nice. I mean, this is obviously before the, you know, the whole situation went out of hand, but the way that they were trying to play them off was right. that they're, you know, they're, they're nice enough white people who are trying, but still kind of stuck in that old racist way, which is unfortunate. Well, right. Yeah. Very unfortunate, common. but yeah. Right. Um, do you think kind of this was a horror movie trope of the getaway? Like you, you know, someone you've only been with recently and then you're going up, you know, trip upstate. It's always upstate New York, I feel like, right? Oh, well, yeah, because most stories happen in New York. It's either New York or LA because it's cheaper to film there. Right. And, you know, we have movies like Fresh where he, you know, the woman just met Sebastian Stan and, hey, let's go up north. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you think that's a very common trope or more common than what we think it is? Um, I mean, it is because, I mean, it's just because they have to come up for an excuse. Like, you know, if you stick your head out and scream for help, um, if you're anywhere but up in the middle of nowhere, you're going to get help. Right. I mean, people right. are going to come and say, you know, what's that all about? You know, obviously not a lot of people will probably just ignore it, but eventually someone, or at least there's potential that someone <laughs> will come and help you. Now, like if you're in the middle of nowhere, obviously it, you know, doesn't matter. You can get out and run for miles and you're not going to find or nobody's going to hear you. Um, so I think it just makes sense to, you know, for any kind of movie like this, for them to have like a realistic escape, you know, cause like Chris, you know, if he wanted to escape and he's in like, you know, even a suburb with, you know, houses close by and stuff like it's, you know, pretty easy to, you know, even if you don't go in another house, but to hide next to other houses, you know, hide right. in the backyard somewhere. There's a lot of places to go. Um, right. So, yeah. So I mean, just I from think, an isolation standpoint. Right. I mean, that, yeah, they have to do that. I mean, it used to be easier back before, you know, cell phones and, and the internet and all that kind of stuff, because then you could just be in uh, a house with a locked door. Right. And that would be enough. But like right. in our dig- in our digital age, yeah, you have to be separated from everything in order to not get help. Right, and that's why they that's why they do the you know in the middle of nowhere. Obviously, they can't scream for help, but again, it's not that odd when you don't get service, right? Right, because there's always that in the you know in this day and age. Oh, I don't have any bars, you know, because they, they have to like start with that, or else the whole story is going to end really fast. Oh, you know, yeah. Like, as soon as somebody's chasing them, they'll be like, oh hello police, you know, and then it's over. You right. know, story story done. But now, because we essentially have cells, you know, coverage everywhere, it's my battery's dead. Right. Yeah. We've, we've changed that. And I, I mean, it can be happened in suburban America. We see, you know, like Halloween obviously takes place in suburban America, um, even with, you know, cell phones, stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the isolation. Either you're on a vacation you're going to like this isolated town that has like very few people in there, or now it's a, you know, my, my relatives or I have a house, you know, out off the coast or, you know, three hours away and then drive, which most places in America, three hours away from major cities, you were in the middle of nowhere. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, if you're in any like, you know, normal, you know, urban area, you drive like one hour out of town and people got, you know, southern accents. It's just. Oh, absolutely. It's odd. But yeah, it's true. It doesn't take very far from Chicago no, here. <laughs> it really, really does not. Yeah. Driving, driving hours south and all of a sudden people are talking like hillbillies. And it's like, yep. what is this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, you know, what are some highlights you think of this movie? Like kind of stood out for you. 
Um, like I said, I, I kind of mentioned a little before. I thought it was the acting. I thought everybody did a fantastic job. Um, I mean, like I said, there was like no one that I could point to that said, oh, they weren't that good. No, I mean, everybody did a fantastic job. I mean, even people with like the the smaller roles, you know, like the grandparents as the, you know, the ground peeper, you know, and the, and the, and the cook. Right. I mean, they were fantastic. Right. You know, like, I mean, the ability to show that pain through their eyes, the way that they did, it was, it was great. And those were just minor characters. And I thought everybody else did just as good a job as they did. And it was fantastic all around. So I did say highlights of this would just be the acting was, was fantastic. I, I, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, the, the, the framing of stuff, you know, the, when he's going under being hypnotized, you know, that the distance, like you're, you know, getting that tunnel vision, I thought was shot really well and really portrayed the depth and, you know, loss of consciousness that he was retreating into his own brain. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, I don't think there's, I don't recall there being really jump scares is more tension. Right. Yeah. I don't think that, yeah. I don't remember them being a jump scare. I yeah. mean, there was like, you know, kind of scares where like, you know, somebody would come back in the room kind of thing, but they, they didn't do it as a jump scare. They just did it as like, oh shit, I got to, you know, right finish this up fast. You know, it wasn't like a jump scare at all. Uh, yeah. I mean, atmospherically, it was phenomenal. I think, you know, he, jump scares are kind of an easy way to get people tense and jump in their seats, but this is more like a slow tension burning, like a buildup and piecing together all the things you're noticing. Mm-hmm. So, what about low points for you? For me, it was quite honestly the brother. Um, now <laughs> he was supposed to be a, a roving douchebag, and he really came off of that really well. But I don't feel I feel like a lot of it was realistically how Chris got away was I feel his fault. Um, and for you know, maybe it's just his character that he was just the way he was. He maybe doesn't approve of Rose's method for getting people. Um, but I just feel like in the movie, he would have been more used to this and would have been less of a douchebag. Yeah. I mean, okay. And, you know, they were talking about how he's an MMA fighter and stuff like that, but like, I mean, I am an out of shape old dude, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I could have taken that. Right. You know, he weighs like 90 pounds. He's got like this little wisp of a mustache. Like it's barely even there. Like the guy was not intimidating at all. And I would think that like, if this is their business, you know, if this is, they're making how much money off of this. And a lot of that depends on them staying put. Right. And not, right. you know, they would have some form of security. I mean, I know that they counted on, you know, like her hypnotism, you know, to be able to shut him down by dinging the cup or whatever. But as we saw, like, if there's no cup, <laughs> right? you know, you lose your cup. I mean, there's no security. You have no way to protect yourself. Like nobody in that family is going to be able to fight somebody. I mean, they're not fighters. I mean, that's not what they're scary about or anything, but right. you know, they're not physically imposing at all. I mean, I guess like the grandpa could technically be, Oh um, yeah, but he was outside. He wasn't even part of the whole thing. I don't know why he wouldn't come in and act as their security when they were going through all the shit. Right, just I outside said, running around in circles or whatever he was doing. Like if it wasn't for the brother, I I mean I think that was just I think it would have been yeah unrealistic for him to do what he did just to make sure you know obviously if he didn't do it, Chris wouldn't have escaped, but. Right. I'm just saying, you know, for the amount of money that is involved for this, and this is like their business and they like 
need this to keep working. And they're apparently, you know, well, I mean, we might see it in the sequel, but as of, as of right now, it's implied that they're the only ones who know how to do this process, right? That they would have a lot of security, especially the dude, you know, the art dealer who's paying all this money. It would be very easy to pay a bodyguard, you know, to like make sure the dude doesn't get away. And we don't even know what happens to him. Well, I'm pretty sure he died. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he did too, but I mean, it's like I, the guy who cut his skull open was dead. Right. <laughs> There's nobody there to put it back on. I mean, technically, I mean, I guess he'd still be okay because your brain is not going to like, not going to die right away, but. Right. Do you have any you other know, low points from this movie, though? Um, not really. I mean, I thought it was it was very well put together. Um, like I said it wasn't anything that stood out as being well. Like I said, it was just that they counted on that the little scrawny <laughs> brother to be their only security was kind of off putting, but that was it. Right. All right. So let's talk about the twist. Um, you know, obviously the brain swapping. We didn't know where this was going. You know, we got no. I don't think we really got many indications from trailers. I think the trailer did a fantastic job of not giving anything away. You know, obviously we understood a little bit of the premise that something weird was going on there. Um, but the twist, do you see that coming in the first watch? Um, not specifically that. I mean, it sounded, I mean, it felt like they were kind of leading up to something weird like that. Like I said, the two biggest things that stood out to me was the, you know, where he was talking about grandpa, you know, lost out to Jesse Owens. And just the way that he said that, it sounded like it held a lot more weight than just like a little trivia thing. Right. And then, of course, what, you know, hypnot- you know, hypnotizing stuff, it's when any of that stuff comes out, it's I immediately know something nefarious is happening. So. And I knew something mind related was going to happen because, you know, hypnotism is always something horrible with your mind. Right. Now. Did you think this was could have been on the path of the Black Mirror episode where they're able to implant the other consciousness into the person and like you one gets shut out? Do you remember the episode of the Black Mirror? Uh yes. Yeah. See, I um, thought I felt it was gonna be potentially something like that. I didn't think it was actually brain brain swapping. I thought maybe just like a consciousness transfer. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, consciousness transfer is a lot harder too. I mean Right. Yeah. So I mean, I could I could see how you want to physically have your brain there, because that means that it's the the real you is definitely getting transferred over. Like, if it's just a consciousness transfer over, I can see how people would be. Well, that's not really me. You know, it's just a copy of me. Right. Which is a great conversation piece for other stuff going at some point. Is all the movies that have that? You know, like altered carbon and stuff like that. There's never goes well. Right. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, yeah, the twist was kind of, I think the brain swap part was a big surprise. Like, you know, something shady going on with the family, we got hints clearly throughout the movie. Um, I just said I wasn't expecting that. Right. Yeah, I think, I, I think more of the twist was just that, you know, the whole family was in on it. <laughs> right. And you're getting screwed. I think that was more of a twist than, like, the, you know, the magic brain swap. I mean, Rose played along the furthest i feel she didn't really show her true colors until like the very end like the, the ball dropped right or she's yeah, no, she for the keys yeah yeah i mean yeah she when she eventually was like you know i can't give you the keys right <laughs> but it was like but at that that you know that scene went on for quite a while like he was like pissed off and yelling and shit 
But like they should have realized it wasn't going to end well before then. But yeah, it was just they were just building up that tension. Did you did you see that with her being part of it? Do you call that when you were watching it the first time? The first time, no. The first time I did I did not because uh I like Allison Williams and I would never see her doing anything bad. <laughs> Alright, so uh overall, you know, we're 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 doing this rain system here and this this one for this movie is gonna be number of teacups out of ten would you give this movie? Um, I will give it, uh, nine teacups out of 10. Nine teacups. I don't don't think it's perfect, but it is excellent. Yes. I would agree. Nine, nine. Yeah, absolutely. It was for being his first like that. I mean, solid home run, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, I don't think it's going to be hard to top get out. I don't think it's 10, 10, but nine out of 10. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So do you think this is. A horror or more of a thriller? Um, I would say, I mean, it's it's definitely both. It definitely has elements of both. But I would say it's a thriller up until, um, like he wakes up in the basement. Okay, right. Yeah. Like I, I think it's a thriller up to that point, and then past that point is horror. Okay, because at that at that point, you know, now he's you know being basically being imprisoned by a mad scientist, and he has to escape. You know, right. So that's horror. But up until that point, it is a thriller because, you know, he has the um, illusion that he can leave whenever he wants, you know, and it's just a lot of weird stuff going on, but he's trying to figure it out. And yeah, definitely thriller up to that point, horror after. Right. I, I yeah, I, I completely agree with that. You know, we were on that trip with him. You know, we didn't, I don't think we got a hint of it necessarily before him. I think we were along for the ride with him. So that's a pretty good thriller. On that aspect, mm-hmm. you know, horror afterwards, absolutely. You know, it's a survival. It is a, you know, get out. You know, run for my life type of situation. How do you get out of that isolation? How do you get out of that situation? And I think he came out of it pretty unscathed. Physically. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say mentally, he's probably going to be messed <laughs> up for a while. But uh, physically, yeah. I mean, yeah, he was a little beat up. I think the. I think the brother stabbed him. He stabbed. He got stabbed in the hand. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, by the mom. By the mom, right. and and then you know the brother was choking him out, and then he got into the car crash. Right. So yeah. So I mean, he's not doing great physically, but I mean, he'll he'll survive. Right. Mentally, he's probably gonna need a lot of therapy. Yeah. Okay. So I think that kind of. I think a good point for Get Out, but let's discuss mm-hmm. us if you want to go over the plot for that, Salem. Sure. Um, so, yeah, the movie opens up with a uh, little girl at a carnival or like a uh, what do you call it? boardwalk, like a beach boardwalk um, with all y'all carnival games and stuff like that. Um, and she kind of, uh, you know, wanders away from her family, ends up in like a, a fun house kind of deal um, and, and sees uh, another girl that looks exactly like her. And then you cut to what thirty years in the future. It starts in nineteen eighty six, so yeah, thirty ish years. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like thirty years in the future. So now she's um, she's older. Uh, she, you know, she's married. She has two kids, um, a boy and a girl. Uh, girl's like what fifteen because I think she's like trying to drive, right? And the boy's like uh, what ten, twelve, about yeah. <clears throat> um. So yeah. So they're um th- they go back to um her grand mother's house which is or no her mother's house which is the house that she grew up in 
Um, because I, I think they kind of insinuated that her mother passed. Right. And that was the first time being back there since her mother passed. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, obviously we don't know how long, but it was, you know, it's fairly recently anyway. So they go there for like a vacation because obviously it's close to the beach. It's a nice weather area. So they're going there on vacation. Um, you know, the, the dad, uh, wants to go to the beach and she's immediately like, uh, I want to go to the beach because, you know, obviously the beach is where that fun house is. She doesn't want to go back there. Um, but you know, he eventually convinces her, you know, saying, Oh, they'll leave before it's dark, whatever. So they go there. Um, they go there and she's obviously like in a panic the whole time. The, you know, her son like gets out of her sight for like five minutes and she like has a panic attack. Um, you know, he sees, um, you know, some weird dude, um, in like, you know, the red coveralls with like a trench coat on with his hand is all bleeding. Um, but nobody else sees this just, he does. Um, so yeah, she finds him, you know, after screaming and having a panic attack and they do like, okay, yeah, we're just going to go. Um, so they go home and they're all, you know, hanging out, just kind of winding down. Um, and they're, they're going to go to bed and then the son comes in and says, Hey, there's a family in the driveway. And they're like, what do you mean it's family driveway? Like, you know, you're not making sense. So they go and look, and yes, there's a family in the driveway. There's, you know, four people standing in the driveway, obviously very dark. You can't see who they are. <clears throat> um, you know, and they, you know, the dad goes out there, yells at them, no response. Dad comes back in, grabs a bat, goes back out there again, um, you know, threatens him like nothing happens. Um, and then eventually, after, you know, saying he's going to call the cops and all that kind of stuff, then like um the one of the figures like you know makes some weird clicking noises and waves their hand around like they're kind of like a commando you know doing like directing troops without making noise right right um and they all kind of like scatter you know and they all like some of them are like you know diving in bushes and running and stuff like that um and that's like okay that's creepy right so the big you know figure <laughs> the big silhouetted figure is walking towards the front door so he's like oh okay so he runs in in the in the house and like locks the door you know, they're like pounding on the door and they're like, okay, go check all the other doors and windows, make sure everything's in. And so they're, they're going to check the doors and windows and they see, you know, people, they're all sneaking around outside. So they're like, okay, they're trying to get in what's going on. Um, so eventually, um, yeah, the big dude breaks in through the door. Um, I think like, because that the dad was trying to like hold the door closed because they like, they had a key. I think, I think that's what they insinuated because the lock opened. Yeah. They had a key outside. Right, yeah. So the 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 lock opened, and they're they're coming in. The dad's trying to stop him. The dad gets nailed in the leg and falls down screaming. Um, and then everybody, you know, kind of filters into the house. And as they're like menacingly move closer, you see that these people are like copies of the family. Right? There's you know the dad, the mom, the the daughter, and the and the little boy. And they're obviously like darker versions of them. They're not exact copies, but they're like you know obviously you know, the same person just were, you know, different clothes and different hair and stuff. Right. Um, so yeah, then the mom who is obviously like the leader of these darker versions of them, um, you know, basically kind of splits them all up, you know, tells, you know, the, the, the guy, the dad, the, you know, the bad version to drag him out to the boat. And I'm guessing like kill him and throw him in the lake was their plan. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the girl she says run and then the other one chases her down the street uh and then the boy they go up in like their closet i don't right. know i don't know what they were supposed to do but i'm sure death and 
<laughs> bad things were involved. Um, and anyway, and then the mom um, handcuffs the, uh, well, the, sorry, I should say the dark mom handcuffs the, the, the normal mom to Adelaide. the table. Adelaide, yeah. Right. Right. And then like, you know, starts like, you know, smashing her head in the table and like, you know, saying like, you know, she talks, but it's like this weird, like hoarse whisper talking, like very dark. And, you know, she's saying a lot of, you know, weird stuff about, you know, just how she's going to take over, or, you know, kill them, whatever. You know, this is, she's going to take what's hers kind of thing, whatever. <clears throat> um, And so, yeah. So the dad eventually gets away out of the boat um, and he makes his way back. I mean, there's a big fight out there and he ends up killing the other dad with the boat engine. Right. <laughs> um, and then he makes it back. Um, the little girl, you know, they're like running down the street and they end up like hiding around a car. Um, the, 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 the dark version, the dark girl kills like some other innocent civilian dude, like tells them to get off their car. Um, you know, she eventually runs back to the house and she's okay. Um, All right. So, yeah, we were talking about the little girl. She killed the innocent yep. uh, civilian. Yep. And then, yeah. So the other girl, you know, runs back and, and gets back to the house. Um, the boy goes up in his, like, you know, game closet, I'm mm-hmm. guessing. Yeah. Um, And I don't know what was supposed to be happening there. I, I think the little, the other, like, the dark little boy is trying to get him to, like, set a fire or something. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. He seemed like a, he was a pyromaniac. Well, yeah, the kid was definitely a pyromaniac, but I don't know if he was trying to get the other one to start a fire because there was no, like, clear communication on what he was looking for there. He just, like, they were sitting there staring at each other. Um, you know, the the other, the dark kid has got a, you know, weird, like, hood mask. And the other kid wears, like, a, what is a werewolf mask sometimes? Yeah. To, like, scare people. I think it's kind of, like, part of his safety blanket kind of thing. But, um, so, yeah, the kid, like, pulls up his mask. You see, like, the whole bottom of his face is all burned. So, obviously, bad things happen to him. Right. Um, so yeah, eventually he tricks him, he locks him in the closet, so he gets away. Um, and then while the that kid is, you know, banging on the door to try to get out, the dark mom has to go up to let him out. Um, when she goes out to let him out, you know, the normal mom breaks out with a like a fire poker. Yeah. She breaks the the um the coffee table and you know, she's still handcuffed, but at least she can get away. Um so she gathers up the two kids because they ran back. Um, they run out. They hear the dad you know, honking the the boat horn, <laughs> so they get in the boat horn and they get away. Um, and as you you know, you see like um, the mom and the, the dark mom and the, and the dark two kids like come out to the dock as they're leaving. So they you know you know they're still there and they know they left in the boat. On the mid cut to uh, <laughs> Tim Heidecker <laughs> and uh, Elizabeth Moss, yep. who are um, you know their friends. They were the friends they were at the beach with. Um, and they have like, you know, twin girls. Um, so they're like, you know, oh, I see something outside, you know, so they're like, you know, fighting over, they don't want to get up, they're comfortable. Um, but they, they go to the, um, the windows, uh, like, oh, I think I see something out there, some joke, whatever. And then they all get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> they all just get stabbed, <laughs> murdered, like immediately, like right away, like within like a second, they're all dead. Um, so then, you know, like dark versions of them, like, and then they like put on, you know, an article of their clothing kind of thing. It seems like they're, they leave on their weird red coveralls, but they take an article of their clothing to like become them. It's it's what it kind of felt like. Right. Um, yeah. So anyway, so they, uh, get to that house cause they're going there for help. Um, but they get there and then the mom uh, opens the door and they drag the mom in the house. Um, and then 
the dad ends up fighting Tim Heidecker in a boat. Um, and then, you know, he wins there. The, uh, the mom gets handcuffed to the bed upstairs. Right. Yes. And the other, that lady is like putting on makeup or something. I don't know. She got distracted. So she was like putting on makeup and looking at herself in the mirror instead of doing what she was supposed to be doing and murdering this other lady. So she's like, you know, putting on makeup. So her daughter, um, you know, because the, the, the two kids are, you know, kind of sneaking through the house. Um, the daughter kills one of the, uh, the twins and then, you know, ends up killing the mom. Um, Elizabeth Moss, the dark Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Um, breaks her mom out. They end up killing the other, um, twin on their way out. Um, and then they turn on the news and they find out that this is happening like all over. You know, like there's there's footage of it happening in the city. It's like all these, you know, they don't know it's copies of them yet. Um, but there's like, you know, people in the red, you know, coveralls murdering all kinds of people in the street. There's dead people like everywhere. Right. Um, so yeah, they all um yeah, so there there's a weird what they had to kill one another, one of the twins before they left. Um, and then the dark girl like is trying to kill him in the car when they're trying to leave. Um, and they end up you know, knocking her off the car and into a tree and she dies weirdly, like still trying to like, (laughs) you know, like torture and like with this like weird smile on her face, trying to torture the lady. Right. Always watching her die. But anyway, so that dark little girl dies. I think they're back in the car and they go back to um, the beach. I'm guessing they just went to like the downtown area, Um, but it just happened to be right next to the beach. Um, And so they see the, the little well, no, they were driving down the street and then they hear something underneath the car and they back up and it's the little boy with the, the dark boy with the mask. Um, and they, you know, kind of rightly figure out, hey, you know, we should probably all get out of the car. <laughs> so they all get out of the car and they see that you know, there's a gas on the ground. And so he's going to like burn them. But instead of that happening, the little boy somehow controls him. And like starts walking backwards and then forces the little boy to walk backwards in this burning car that was in the street. So the little boy, you know, gets lit on fire and dies, you know, a horrible death. Um, And then the mom, the dark mom was hiding behind this car the whole time. So as the boy was walking backwards and apparently nobody was watching him, I don't know (laughs) why they weren't. But anyway, so as he's walking past, the dark mom grabs him and runs. And of course, they're by the beach again so she runs back into the fun house um so yeah they leave um the dad and the and the little girl um they you know leaves them there at the beach uh then they see like you know all the weird you know red coverall people are still there and they're like eventually like linking arms and like making a human chain for some reason they don't right. know why. hands across um, america <laughs> Right, right. Um, well, yeah, I don't think they remembered Hank. <laughs> I mean, we know that because right. they show you that, but, like, right. they don't know that. Right. Um, so, yeah, so the mom, of course, goes through the, the fun house, goes to the um, the place where she met the little girl originally, um, and then that's when she goes further into that area, and she sees that it's connected to, like, this weird underground area, which is, like, you know, it's, like, long, like, hallways, you know, it's got like a weird like back rooms feel to it. Um, there's all these weird like, you know, um, classrooms with like all these, you know, cages and rabbits all over the ground. <laughs> um, and as she's looking through all of them, she finds, um, 
you know, the dark mom, like drawn like little stick figures all over um, the chalkboard. And she's also cutting them up in like papers, you know, showing like linked arm people. Um, and then that's where she kind of goes over who they are. And this is, this is the part that I had to pay attention to um, the, the second time around. Um, she's saying that um, someone or something created a, like a tethered copy of people um, and then later abandoned them. Now that she doesn't know why or for how long at all. Um, and again, she's just guessing this. They don't, they don't actually know this. She's just guessing this, but usually when, you know, characters guess the kind of stuff, it becomes canon. So I'm guessing that's the, this is the canon. Um, so yeah, so they like are cursed to like live in these back rooms, you know, tunnels underground and like kind of live like a mock life version of what's happening up there. You know, it's so, like the people are copies and tethered as they, as they kept saying in the movie. Um, and they have to like, you know, live this weird tethered version of what's happening. So it's almost, it looks like a weird, like improv show. Right. It, right. It, like they're all like, you know, pretending to do the things that's like, uh, that they're actually doing up in the real world. Right. Um, so yeah, but yeah, it looks like weird improv class. Like <laughs> they show all these people down there. That's what it, that's what it looks like, but they're all like copies of everybody that's up above. Um, uh, you know, so she goes on to explain, you know, this is, you know, how she's been, you know, struggling and surviving, you know, down here, um, you know, since they met last time, um, and all the horrible things that she had to go through and shit like that. And, you know, she's like, but the one thing that was great is like, you know, I never would have learned to dance otherwise. And so then she starts dancing around and stabbing her and they're fighting and fighting. Yes. She was dance and, fighting. Yes. <laughs> I mean, but the dark mom was, was winning. Like, I mean, oh, she was like way outmatched. I mean, she was just like playing with her, just like <laughs> stabbing her and throwing her around anyway. So they eventually go in this other like bunk room with like all these like bunk beds. Um, and they're fighting again. And somehow she manages to, killer with the poker i don't know how that happens but but she does um and then she uh finds her son in the locker but at that point um they go further into that story and they show you that um when she met the little girl in um the fun house that little girl actually grabbed her dragged her down into the bunk room chained her up handcuffed her down there and then went back to her life. So essentially, the dark little girl that was, you know, living the improv, you know, tethered life in the back rooms, um, took her place, you know, by force, and then went back to her life up above. Right. And so all the trauma that we thought she had as a kid, like, oh, she couldn't talk because something scary bad happened to her, was really just she didn't know how to talk because they don't talk down there. I guess I didn't say that is right. The, the evil dark versions of them can't talk except they just, they like grunt. Right. Except Adelaide's dark version. Right. Yeah. She obviously can because she was from the, you know, the real world the surface, got pushed yeah. down there. Yeah. Right. And her voice was a horse like that, probably because she hasn't used it in 30 years. Right. I'm I'm assuming I'm I'm guessing that's what that meant, or maybe she tried talking and they punished her. Like I don't know, who knows? I thought maybe it's from part of the choking too. Like there's a lot of damage done to her throat when she was choked out initially. I mean, that's possible. I mean, yeah, there's three possibilities. <laughs> who knows which one's right, or if it's right. something else? Right. 
Yeah. So something bad happens, but yeah, that's so that's what. So that's the plot. I don't think I missed anything. And then the very end of it is they show that the hands across America thing with all the red cover all people is like going through like forests and shit. So they're like, they're trying to like actually do the hands across America. As opposed to like the towns and there's huge gaps right. and the real hands across America. Now, obviously right. I wasn't, I mean, I was live, but I pretty sure I didn't do anything with it. Cause I was two. <laughs> I, I remember, I remember people talking about it. I don't, I mean, I was too young to do anything. I was, right. what, I was like eight. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what are your first thoughts on this? You know, you, you, you know, we go when this movie trailers very vague as, as they should be mm-hmm. it, at this point, we know, okay, it's Jordan Peele. What were your, like, how did you go into this movie knowing that you like get out and then it was Jordan Peele coming back for the next movie? Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I was excited about it. Um, and I watched it. And I remember, um, I, I was like, yeah, I kind of assumed it was going to be more of the same. It was going to be some kind of like, you know, mind twist thing that was going to happen. In it. Um, and so I went to it watching, I don't, did they show that it was like the same person in the tra- trailers? I want to, I thought they did. Maybe not. Uh, that, oh, that was that they were the same pe- person. Yes. Right. Yes. I, th- I thought so. They didn't show like everybody, like it was the whole family or right. more than one person. They, I think they just showed her. Correct. But they they showed that it was like there was like a copy of her, like a like an evil copy. doppelganger. Yeah, obviously, yeah. yeah, you didn't know why or how, but right. they just showed that. Um, because I want to say like most of the trailers like didn't have any of the talking in them at all. It was just all like music and noise over pictures i want to say like the the strong violin strings right yeah right 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 typical horror right 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 <laughs> yeah definitely um but yeah no i mean i watched it um i want to say the first time i watched it at, at, at a certain point i was just like come on i mean like <laughs> there's certain things i'm like there's no way, but I mean, I I get like that sometimes. It just when when something takes one step too far and it just you know blows that like we were talking about the suspension of disbelief. So you know, I I have a limit, <laughs> and, it, and it hit that limit, and I was just like, what? That's still, obviously, a very well made movie. It's a good movie, even even with those issues that I was having. In it. It's still a good movie, and there was just you know big questions that i had i won't go into them just yet. yeah do, i mean do you think yeah i i watched this i like i said as jordan jordan peele you know when you get out and i was i was really excited to, for this movie to come out like i was watching the stuff i was trying to avoid any theories that videos that people put out there or explanations or anything like that i didn't see this one in theaters i had to wait for it to be on demand to rent it um but you know i thought it was a good follow-up um you know, it's, we didn't know if it was going to be a sequel. We didn't really know what it was going to be, obviously, when we first saw it. Um, but no, I think it was a good, good movie. Um, you know, it, it was kind of like a plot wise, the closest I compare it to is like a doppelganger or like the changeling, where you have an evil version. You know, usually when their babies get taken and the evil version gets put up in place as a baby, right? Yeah, like the body, body snatchers. Right, right. Yeah. So it's a, it's a body snatcher, changeling type scenario. Um, mm-hmm. but it was it was you know, I think his good take on it, his his take on it, you know. You know, there's some Easter eggs of you know, we have the shot of nineteen eighty six, the TV, the hands across America, you know, there's a 
there's a Chud VHS tape next to it. So he kind of <laughs> gives a little bit of hint with Chud, you know, being underground dwellers, right? I mean, that was mm-hmm. a good, kind of a good way, kind of a little tease at what might be coming. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a fantastic movie. Um, I'd said I don't think I watched it again until this rewatch. On this rewatch, I was trying to pay more attention to more detail as you would, uh, you know, typically for a horror movie rewatch. Um, cause there's more clues. There's more things to pick up on. It's not, I don't think necessarily as, as, as tension building, I don't think, but it was more of a, like, I'd say scarier. I would say scarier, right? Like there's more like home invasion type scenarios or doppelgangers, which is, you know, obviously plots in sci-fi and horror movies, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, and the explanation of, you know, how they got there, obviously you know, we have what, what two sentences at the very beginning that says, you know, there's thousands of miles of abandoned tunnels in North America. Right. <laughs> Which we can kind of go into that in the next process. But, you know, what on your rewatch, you, was it more enjoyable for you? You think? Um, it was. I mean, I was definitely looking for more details because, uh, like I said, when I, I had some pretty big <laughs> questions the first time I watched through it, the second time I was like actively looking for answers to those questions, um, and I didn't get all the answers, but I got I got more than I got the first time. I mean, but I was definitely watching it for for more of that. Um, yeah, but I didn't see it in the theaters either, so I saw it when it when it came out. I this is the only the second time I've seen it. Um, but yeah, that first time. I definitely had some big questions, and, and, and like I said, I, some of them were answered. You know, some of them were to my satisfaction. But. Did you watch any like theory videos after you watched it? I know I did to help try to piece in some of the stuff I missed the first time when I no, initially watched I was, it. I was pretty confident that I knew what was <laughs> going on. I was pretty confident that my questions were were valid. Right. I didn't need anybody else to tell me. That. Right. I don't know how it's arrogant of me. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's it's I it's a well. I think this movie definitely had more open-ended questions that we're able to debate more about with this, right? There's just more to it, more lore, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So let's go into the suspension of disbelief. Of this movie, I know that we discussed this previously before the rewatches that there was we had to suspend a lot the first time. I feel, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it was, for me, it was, I mean, everything was, was fine and great, um, up until, uh, they started talking about how, you know, everybody has to live like that weird improv life in the basement. Right. And I was, it was just so beyond believable to me that like millions of people could live downstairs in tunnels, even magic tunnels that are like, you know, back rooms. Yeah, back rooms that you go on forever kind of thing. It's like it's just completely unbelievable that someone could try to live out a life or at least a, a tethered life down there. Um, just a lot of just the logistics of the whole thing of like, I mean, do you have, have any idea how many rabbits you would actually need? Because all they eat are rabbits. That's it. Right. They eat raw rabbit. And they're they what? Nothing. Six pounds of meat. Right. I mean, if that, but again, I mean, there's been constant studies showing that if you eat only rabbit, you will die. <laughs> there's not enough, you need more nutrition than that. And so you'd need greens of some kind. So there's like, not only will these people not actually survive 
on the rabbits, but do you know how many rabbits you would actually need to feed that many people down there? I mean, that's imp- you wouldn't it's, be able to breed them in those cages that they have. Right. I mean, it's implied that this is only America. They only discussed the tunnels under America, right. hands across America. Uh, Correct. And that's something I was discussing with the wife when, on the rewatch. I'm like, I didn't remember if it was worldwide or if it was just America-wide. And it is just America-wide. Yeah, now they, they heavily implied that this is happening, as they say, hands across America, that it's happening all over America, but they only show uh, this small section of, of Santa Cruz. Right. That's it. So, I mean, and again, even at the end where they show, like, people going further into the forest and, and hands, you know, across America kind of thing, they don't actually say that it's happening anywhere else. It might just be a line from Santa Cruz. I mean, obviously, it's heavily implied that it's more than that, but they don't actually show anywhere. Right. I mean, it, it it's a bigger implication if it is the entire country, right? Right. The, the, right. the dynamics, the logistics of everything would not line up. Um, right. But I mean, yeah, this, again, this, the logistics of it, like, you know, how do you clothe that many people? Like, how do you, how do you get rid of the waste of that many people? You know I mean? Cause there's no janitors or anything. Right. And these all every single person down there is living this weird tethered improv life version of of what's happening up above. There's nobody cleaning up after them. Well, maybe the tethered garbage man do the garbage cleanup down there. <laughs> I'm just saying there's just so many large questions of like what the like what this doesn't make any sense at all. Like there's no way you could just be leading rabbits down there. There's no way you could ever have that many rabbits down there. Uh, I mean like I said, like the clothes the you know the the garbage the waste I mean all of these things it has nowhere to go and I, I don't know it was just it was too much for me the first <laughs> the first time um, and again there was just at the first time I didn't catch anything about how or why they were down there I don't know what I was doing at that point I guess I was just you know trying to figure out how it was going to end rather listening to what the dark mom was saying when she was talking by that chalkboard right. Um, and that's when yeah, they did get some of the answers where she, you know, she had her theory of what it was. And it was that somebody made this weird tethered world, you know, whether, I mean, obviously it could have been anything, right? It could have been like they tapped into another dimension and took, you know, the copies of them or like a, you know, like a many earths theory thing, right? Right. They like somehow connected one of the other many earths to our earth and then took all those people out and linked them here somehow. You know, I mean, who knows? I mean, it, it could have been something weird like that, but whatever they said, whoever made it, whoever like created this thing left. <laughs> so they're down there and they have no idea why. So they're like, they're tethered and linked and they have to like live out this weird improv life of the real version, but they don't know why. Right. They're just compelled to do it. Now they kind of are a little loose with, of like how some people can control the others. Right. Like they had, like the boy was able to control the other boy. Well, because he was walking yeah, into the fire. He was, he was essentially, you know, the old classic comedy of the guy in the mirror, right? Everything the one side does, the other side does, and that was just like a perfect mimic of what he was doing, right? But like no one else ever did that, right? I mean, like the other red fucking coverall people were able to murder their other selves, which is obviously not copying what they're doing, right? So, it's, like I said, it was just really odd that, like, sometimes they had to, like, do what the other one did, but sometimes, most of the time, they didn't. It was weird. I was I was kind of thinking, like, okay, maybe, like, they have to murder their other self before they get their own freedom kind of thing. Yeah, come untethered. Um, yeah. Right. But then I was like, but then, like, the rest of this family is acting 
untethered, <laughs> you know, like all the, 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 the boy and the girl and the dad are all chasing and trying to murder their other selves and not acting out the, you know, their other parts at all. Right. And, you know, if we're going to this, you know, what, you know, say it's stopped, right? Say they're clones. However, genetically, they are completely identical. When do you think the experiment or whatever it was stopped? Did it stop at like when recently, or do you think it stopped after her kids were born? Because that leads to the question: if it's a complete mimic and you're a complete clone, and let's we can go into logistics of you know birthing a child is if it's completely identical. You know, if you clone a sperm, you cloned an egg ten times, would it, would it produce the same person every single time? Because that's what we're looking at, right? If the kids were, if her kid, the dark kids were born after the experiment stopped, that had to be that exact moment, the complete mimic, the tethering that would cause it to happen. Or is it, do you think it stopped, you know, like a couple years ago versus 30 years ago, whenever it was? Um, well, I mean, what I think, you know, kind of going on evidence based is that it was the experiment was over. Whoever created it or made this happen was gone before she got there. So since she's been there for 30 years, it had been over for at least 30 years. But judging that those people were still acting out in the weird improv class down there, it probably happened way before that. Right. You know, because they obviously were already in rags and and eating rabbits and shit at that time. So like, Whoever, you know, made that shit to happen <laughs> um, is gone. And it, it has been gone for a very long time. Um, there was another thing that kind of off put me a bit is they were talking about how, you know, when they were talking about her dancing. Right. Right. And that was how they like linked together. And they said, like, at the end of that dance, the, all the other people realized that she was like the chosen one um, that could think for herself. Right. Right. And so they like and then she was able to work with all of them to make this happen, this attack happen. But then obviously she got married after that point. She had her kids after that point. You know what I mean? So like if she was able to then see that she was the chosen one and could teach them how to like live beyond their tether, why did she still get married? Why did she still have those kids? Right. Why did those things continue to keep happening? And I guess it might be, you say, because the tether isn't broken yet and they can only fight it for so long or only at some certain level. I Okay, that's fine. Uh, just, these were just big questions that I had watching it. And they were it just it was just off-putting enough where I was thinking about that rather than just watching the movie. Well, I mean, because they showed her dancing in the ballerina outfit as a little girl during the dance sequence. So someone got those close. I would just say that experiment was still going on at that point. Well, they were all ratty, though. Yeah. Like, if you look at, like, you know, when she was at the, the, the carnival, like, she got a Thriller shirt, right? Right. But then the shirt that she was wearing in the in the back rooms there was, like, just a ratty black T-shirt. Right. Like, it wasn't the same shirt. So, again, I, I don't think the improv stuff was supposed to happen at all. I think they were doing that because they were still somehow linked and they didn't know what else to do. Is that They were just compelled to do that. I think they were created for some other purpose or called for some other purpose. And they just, without that direction, this is what they do. So how do you think the tether got reversed? Like, do you think when they switched places that the, the dark Adelaide, the one that we were following this entire time became the primary and then 
the original little girl that was from, you know, the above became the tethered. Do you think that, um, that, that like, just crossing that plane was enough to change, like, whoever's above was the primary on the tethering? Yeah. Yeah, it would have to be. I mean, because, yeah, the way that she was talking, she was talking about these things happening to her. Right. It wasn't like she did them and then they echoed to the other way. So, yeah. So she's saying they happened to her against her will, which means that, yeah, the dark one that came up and took over had to then become the primary. Um, So, like I said, at that point, I I said my personal favorite theory is that, you know, it was like one of the many Earth's, you know, dimensions that got linked to ours that was, you know, basically a copy. Everybody exists there. But instead of existing in their world, they pull them into this world. But because they're the same, they have to just, you know, be a tethered and just act out what they're doing because they have nothing else to do. They don't have a will of their own. Right. I mean, but obviously, what can change that and and make you fight and kill your own self? I don't know. I don't know how that. I don't know how any of that happened. I mean, do you think they only stayed tethered when they were underground? Like when once they broke that that plane of existence, that they essentially became untethered, and then they were able to act on their own free will. Except for those, I would say yes. Yeah. yeah, I would say yes. Except for the little boy, like that. That part again, just didn't make sense to me i was like okay it's like one or the other why are we still doing this i don't get it unless he was still young enough that he thought he couldn't you know resist the urge to do the mimicking no that's possible too i guess i didn't think about the age part of it right that maybe he was yeah maybe as your reason grows as you get older it's it's easier to fight right yeah that's okay that's interesting um so i mean yeah i mean the suspension disbelief was definitely i think bigger Yes. In, in this movie, just logistically, um, I personally, I, I don't know if I like it. You know, I don't necessarily want everything explained, but I would like to have some explanation to this. Um, you know, that could even be a prequel. Realistically, is how this all happened. Right. Okay. You know, I I wouldn't mind seeing that. I wouldn't mind seeing the creation of it and figuring out why it happens. You know, sometimes you know me, I don't want to know the whys, but it, it's very, very vague. And some horror movies work really, really well. You don't need to know that. And obviously, with like the Halloween franchise, the more answers we got, just the worse they got. I don't know. Right. I don't know if we got explanations that would make the the lore worse. What do you think? Well, see, that's the thing. I think in this instance, I think it would have been easier if we got less information. If we got less information, you could just who knows where they came from, right? Who the fuck knows? I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess they kind of had to show it a little bit or else the like the switch doesn't work. Right. But I mean, they could have easily done some kind of magic portal shit or something. I don't know. So you think, uh, but I think yeah, just having en- enough information to get you thinking, but not enough to make sense, I think, well, hurts my brain. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about you, but like, that's like, I'm trying to like noodle together what this stuff means and i just i can't because i don't have enough information and the information i do have doesn't make any sense at all and so that's why i guess you know they said that's what it's hard for me to suspend that disbelief right you essentially were saying you know a if a equals b and b equals c d is equal to two Uh, right we're missing that step in between (laughs) right yeah so i mean having i think having less information about what where they were or what was happening down there, I think would have been better because then it would have just been like, 
you know, just like, you know, straight up horror. Who knows where the evil comes from? Right. It just, it just comes from somewhere. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I like that. That less information would have been better because then we would have been like filling in the gaps, more of a gap, right? Mm-hmm. So we just knew that D equals two and that's it. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, but don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah, I've, there's a lot of complaints here, but that's again, this is, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, just me trying to figure this out in my brain and my brain just, you know, arguing back, like, what the hell are you trying to do? It doesn't make any sense. Um, but I did very enjoy it. It was, it was a very good movie. <laughs> I enjoyed it. You know, there was, it was very well made. I liked watching it even the second time, yeah. you know, it's, it's still good watching it the second time, even though I know what's going on and it still doesn't make sense to me. It's still <laughs> worth watching. It's still well made enough where I enjoy it. Would you say that the, the amount of this suspension we had to do was the low point of this movie? Uh, yeah. I mean, definitely for me, because I mean, I get distracted. I mean, I don't know if, if other people do or not, but for me, if it, if it gets past that line, that's all I can think about. Right. You know, like that's what I was thinking the whole time I was watching the first time. I was like, do they know that you can't, there's no way you could breed that many rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I was just, I was like obsessed with like how, who's feeding you? Like who's clothing these people? <laughs> right. Like, who's picking up after them? Like as, that's all I was thinking about the whole time. That's probably why I missed her talking the first time. Because I was still trying to think about what the hell this doesn't make sense, right? I mean, yeah, that's I think that's fair. Uh, that's definitely uh, it is a low point. Like I said, it was we had been better with less information. Um, but highlight wise, though, you know what, what? What do you feel worked the best? Um, I gotta say, I mean, the, like the the tension. I mean, the the, the atmosphere, just the, like the pure you know, kind of horror of it, uh, you know, it's, is, is a highlight to me. It's just scary as hell. Like doppelgangers, you know, breaking into your house and murdering you that look exactly like you and then trying to take over your life, but they can't even talk. Right. <laughs> They're like cavemen kind of thing. I mean, that's terrifying. Um, so yeah, so I would say like, it was, it was well done. I mean, it was very, you know, unnerving, very, you know, scary movie, but, um, yeah, obviously, I, my problems, but that's that's okay. But uh, the highlights of it, it was just you know, I'd, I'd say the the storyline and, and the actual idea behind it was good. Uh, I I think the uh, you know obviously there wasn't talking, but I think the, the family their dual roles, especially Adelaide's the actress, I think she did the, the duality really really well. You know, I, I think Jordan Peele and is picking the right people for this movie too. Uh, I mean, obviously the other family with with boss it didn't didn't matter who was really in those roles but the main family i think they did an exceptional job you know winston duke um i don't remember her name lupita nyong'o that's her yeah yeah i think once again acting wise like very good yeah no i'll definitely agree with that it was they were very believable as two different people yeah even though it was the same actor they were very believable that it was two different people um, yeah, I mean, I'll, you know, Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss were in there. I mean, I mean, I guess kind of, sort of like comic relief, right? I mean, even like their murders. Yeah. Really all oh yeah. Well, oh yeah. Because she's trying to call the police, and then the song "Fuck the Police" came on. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it was like again, like even their murders were just you know kind of comic relief. But um, yeah, I mean, they did what they were supposed to do. Right. So the twist. Mm-hmm. Do you think the twist is? More so of that the the Adelaide we had been following was not the original 
ally that we saw at the beginning or, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of the end point of her son, Jason, watching her, realizing that maybe he knows the truth because he was down there. He probably heard this stuff or has well, some yeah, idea I mean, of being down there, right? Right. I mean, again, like, yeah, when she was sitting there at that chalkboard explaining things, he could probably hear her. I mean, they were only like one room away. Right. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you can probably hear. I mean, the twist was obviously uh, the well. The, I should say the main twist was obviously that you know, this wasn't the same girl, right? Right. It was that girl like took her down here, handcuffed her to a bed, and then took her life. You know, yeah. That was that was the main twist. But yeah, I mean, definitely that that kid. I'm pretty sure that kid knows because he was looking at her like you know, you know she had scrambled eggs on her face, right. And, she was he was definitely <laughs> like wary of her. I think at that point, seeing what she was capable of and seeing her in that like kind of feral state when she was like murdering the other one, I think he realized that that was, you know, the, that was she was the real dark. one. Right. I mean, I think Adelaide, when she was murdering her, not the surface self, she sounded a lot like that. Like she reverted back to that, like Neanderthalish type grunting yeah, and, right, and yeah. primal rage right yeah yeah like i said she like went, went like feral and she was just like you know kicking the shit out of her like over and over and over again right so i mean and he saw that right so yeah i mean that that was the kind of not necessarily a twist but a really open-ended question is like does he know right you know i think there's a big debate because you know there, there's signs you know throughout the movie that she's not there especially with the music playing she's trying to like snap and rhythm not that i could do it but she was not able to do it either for a song that she supposedly knew very well and trying you know snap you know snap her fingers to get her son to kind of get into the rhythm uh, yeah i think she was just probably like in real life couldn't do that because <laughs> i think she was she was trying to show her son the rhythm right and then she was trying to be like like i think the scene was supposed to be she can do the rhythm the son can't but it really came off as neither one right (laughs) but yeah right i mean i i thought that was i know i know there's a lot of videos and discussions i know people pointed to that that was like that might be a sign i I can see that that. i mean i can see that but i think it was more just a filming thing i don't (laughs) think that was a sign okay because it would have been like the dad would have, they would have had a scene where the dad looked at her like, what the hell are you doing? You know, like something like that. <laughs> they would have had like some kind of reinforcement that that's what you're looking at. Well, her daughter gave Although, her, otherwise weird, her daughter gave her a weird look while she was it doing was it. was more of a smirk. It was more of a smirk after that. Okay. Like, when she was like, yeah, okay, get into it like that. You know, like you can do it kind of thing. Like it wasn't like a, what the hell is wrong with you? It wasn't like a, that look. It was, more, it was all like a. Yeah, like yeah, we can yeah, we can do it. We're all jamming together. Or like mom's trying to be hip, and they're she's not. All uh, right, yeah, but I mean the girl liked the song too. Right, she was singing along too. Yeah. So I mean I think it was just she was just happy that everybody was jamming together. You know, like the family was right. grooving. Okay. Um, you know, like I said, you know, there's a pretty good in you know invasion of the body snatchers, changeling, home invasion, and type thing. I think that you know. I think obviously, like so, with Chud being there is different from Get Out, right? Um, mm-hmm. I said overall, really good. I think is Jordan Peele's take on that on that storyline. Um, so you know, we're doing for this one uh, Golden Scissors because they carry around gold scissors, and that's their primary stabbing weapon. Was Golden <laughs> Scissors, right? Yeah, all of them had one. So what? What would you number of Golden Scissors out of ten for you? For this one. <laughs> 
Um, uh, this one, I will give it uh, eight out of ten golden scissors. Again, it was very well made, a very enjoyable movie. There was just enough to, to, to unnerve me <laughs> when I was watching it to, to you know not be as high as Get Out. Yeah, it's no, it's a good, it's a good one. Yeah, definitely, definitely not as good as Get Out, but it's it seems like maybe that score could be raised if we we watch it and catch everything more. There's more rewatch value, I think, in this movie than there was in Get Out. Yeah, uh, I mean, like I said, in Get Out, I didn't really, I didn't catch anything new the second time I watched it. I just enjoyed it, even though, even right. knowing what was going to happen. Uh, this one, I was like actively like, okay, is there any suggestion <laughs> to like try to you know change my mind over what these big questions are? Right. So you know, we're gonna ask the question: Is it horror or is it something else? Um. Yeah. This one, I think it's just straight horror. I mean, just the whole thing. I mean, I, there's really not much else to it. I mean, there's I guess there's a little bit of mystery as to like what happened to the little girl when she was younger, but that's more of a horror trope than it is a mystery. Thing. Right. And the, um, the, the creation of the evil, if you will, if you, right. if, yeah. even, so, if mean, you even want to call him evil, that's a debatable thing. Right. 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 But uh, yeah, like in their family, yes, they were definitely the darker version of it, but I mean, that might not always be the case. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, this one I would just say is straight up horror. I don't think it's anything else. Okay. So let's move on to the final movie of this trilogy that we're discussing tonight of Nope. And, you know, this is a big spoiler warning for anyone that hasn't watched Nope yet right now. Um, so basically the plot is, you know, we are introduced to the Hayworth family. Is that their last name? Haywood. 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 Yeah. Um, which, you know, they're talking about the first movie was of the, the black man riding the horse. And he didn't really have a name that wasn't, there they kind of just added that element for the movie right um and we get daniel from get out as who's playing um the brother in this movie and he their family owns horses for movies right they they do horses race horses breed horses for entertainment to put into movies commercials tv shows right um and you know one day his he's out with his dad dad owned farm he's working heavily with it and all of a sudden, stuff starts falling from the sky, just little plinks of stuff here and there. Uh, his dad's played by Keith David, really great actor. You know, he gets a token through the eye and ends up dying. And so, um, you know, there shows like a key embedded in like the, the railing of their steps. Um, and then we kind of get six months later while the, you know, the, the brother is trying to keep the business going. You know, he's on set trying to sell the horse. Um, he's trying to do the sales pitch and taking up the family business from his dad. He's not really a people person, I would say. Um, and just kind of waiting for his younger sister to show up, and she seems kind of reckless, but she knows the spiel and seems to be more personable, and people seem to like her more than him, right? He's just kind of there and just carrying on the family tradition. They've had the, you know, in the movie, they had the first horse they used for the photograph, too or the first film. Um, and in kind of in there, we're getting interspersed stuff of uh, chimpanzee on a set of a TV show, um, seemingly killing people. And we're getting, which was fantastic. Oh yeah. By the way. Yeah. Um, and they were then introduced to, I don't remember the actor's name. He's from walking dead. Who played the child star in that movie, in this movie. Oh, Stephen Yoon? Stephen Yoon, yes. 
you know, kind of showing that, you know, hey, this guy wants to rent out or buy five, like four or five horses to help pay the bills. And he didn't want to sell the horses to him, but, you know, he's not able to do well with the family business by himself. So he's selling them to him and he has his own kind of pokey tourist trap, right? Just having a show. We just don't know why he's doing it, but, you know, they figure they want to buy the horses back at some point in time with a payment plan just to keep them, you know, they help raise them. They get really attached to the horses. Um, and then they kind of notice one night that there's something in the sky that just it sounds like screaming going overhead and just weird, like their cell phone just died, you know, electronic failure that happens. And they kind of realize, hey, maybe we might have seen a UFO. They go to Fr- what, Fry's Electronics, which I don't even think exists anymore now, over there. <laughs> um. It, it exists in California. Okay. So if this movie took place in it California, yeah. it's fine. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And it, all the fries everywhere else have. Closed. Right. Yeah. I remember fries a long time ago. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, they work with a, a, a essentially geek squad guy, right? Um, and get a couple oh. cameras set up to help capture this. They go, hey, if we capture this, it could be, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, getting the Oprah shot of the UFO, the definitive proof. You know, they say, talk about the footage there's at least you know, a couple of years ago of the, the air fire, the footage that the Pentagon released. Right. And they're saying, you know, we have proof that aliens exist. We just need more and people are willing to pay for it. Um, and the geek squad guy kind of intertwines himself onto their lives. Like, you know, he said, Hey, I'm not going to watch your cameras remotely, but he ends up doing it. They see cameras go out and realize that there's something bigger out there. Like a cloud that hasn't moved days or even months that a single cloud has been there this entire time. And he knows that, you know, the brother and sister didn't notice it. Um, he just kind of, there's like, okay, I'm in here for this too. You know, you guys can't do this by yourself. Um, I'm here to help you guys out. I want to be part of this. I don't know if he ever said anything about getting a cut of it or just there to help him for technology point. Right. I think, yeah, I think he was just obsessed with UFOs. Right. Or, and he just wanted to be a part of it. I don't even think he cared about it. Well, they call them UAPs now. Well, yeah, that's the new official name, yeah. Right. Um, Unidentified aerial phenomenon. Right. <laughs> and and so, you know, we go, cut back to, you know, essentially a ranch show, right? That has like 40 people, they think they said all together were there watching their show. And mm-hmm. you see the horse, and he's like, you know, every Friday night for the past six months, you know, I've got a visit. And here we're going to kind of sacrifice this horse to kind of draw it out, right? Um, And then, you you know, all of a sudden you see it go there and starts creating like a funnel cloud. And you go, okay, this is weird. Start hearing screams. You kind of like jumbledness of people getting trapped and sucked up into the UFO. Um, And then... You know, that's like the next, what, land over from them. And then they kind of go there and all of a sudden it starts raining blood and like items from the show there. You go, okay, it's like right over their house. This is really weird. Um, So on the commercial shoot that he was trying to do, they were got called for their just like, you know, world-renowned uh, photographer, right? He captures looks like a lot of, you know, animal killing, stuff like that. Just really good, really crazy guy, like just artsy. You know, he, they say, Hey, you want to do this? We have the ones, the, the impossible shot. I think they called it right. We have the impossible right. shot. 
And so he goes out there and starts filming too, because he's older and artsy. His, you know, his stuff doesn't rely on, you know, digital or technology electronics to work. So, you know, he might be able to capture a lot easier than this high tech gear that they have. Well, I think he purposely built it so that it didn't need electricity. Right. Cause yeah, he said that he built it himself. Yeah. Um, so, you know, then that's just more interactions with them. Um, and then the main guy realizes that this isn't a UFO. I mean, it is, or UAP. It's an actual thing eating people. It's a creature itself, right? And he realized that, you know, he had the flashback that, like, if you look it in its eyes, that's when it will kill you. Because if you don't look at it, kind of like a don't look up type thing, right? It won't, it'll leave you alone. Um, and they're still, even after all this stuff, they're still trying to capture this shot. Like they kind of went, you know, whole hog into this, right? This is the make or break deal for them. Um, and they set up sky dancers or wacky wailing inflatable arm two men everywhere kind of have like this path to say, Hey, this is electronic. When the UFO or UAP comes around, it shuts down kind of track, even though we can't see it in the clouds. We're going to get this money shot. Um, and it's just, you know, some TMZ guy comes in an electronic bike and hits that, you know, the field and just gets thrown. Um, and then, you know, the brother tries to go save him and realizes that he's going to get caught. Um, you know, and then the photographer guy, filmographer guy, he goes, you know, I'm getting this shot. I'm going to use myself as bait. You know, he ends up getting eaten. Um, the geek squad guy actually did something smart is he realized that if he covered himself with barbed wire and stuff, he might be deemed unedible by the creature and somehow certain. I don't know if he did that on purpose. I think he just did it on accident. Well, as it, it, <laughs> well the first time, yes. And then he purposely started tying the barbed wire around himself after that, when he, when it clicked in his head, he didn't purposely get caught up in that, <laughs> but then he used it as a way. Cause he got eaten and then spit right back out essentially. Right. Uh, so I just, I, I guess I wasn't paying attention. I just took it as he was tangled up and was stuck. Yeah. No, he, he, he saw him kind of wrap himself up more. Um, and then it's just the brother trying to get, you know, back and trying to get the shot. Um, and last we really see of him is the creatures above him. And then like the sisters realizing that and the, the, the creature is no longer a disc shaped with a giant hole, which is his mouth. It like blossomed into this like gigantic, alien creature we're assuming alien creature right at this point um right yeah it looks like it looks like a flower wearing a dress right very i'd say it's very anime ish like a like a horror anime creature right like a like a legendary creature almost yeah, right i'll give you that something like that um and you know she ends up going back to this ranch for the got you know the cowboy ranch there and realized that the well was a giant uh uh, camera, you know, and then she's feeding it off with like a hot air balloon to try to lure it, which I don't know why it was that dumb to try to eat it, you know, and she lures it, gets the picture and it eats the helium filled balloon and it pops and seemingly it dies. Right. And then, you know, in the, in the dust, she sees her brother. We don't know. And that's kind of how it ends. Um, you know, I only watched it once at this point, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so my first thoughts, um, I mean, it was interesting. It was a good, I, I think a good call back to the atomic age, the saucerman age, right? Um, lore wise, not much there. Uh, yeah, no, there was no, there was no background for the, the right. monster at all. Uh, you know, kind of my first thought was, you know, why would they keep doing what they're doing? I mean, obviously they need money, but you know, essentially, I felt like the the feeding ground were the horses and the property next to them, and their house and their ranch that they own with the horses were kind of like the toilet, where everything unwanted would go from the creature eating. I mean, is that what you took from there? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's about right. Is it literally like parked right above their house, and then like? essentially crapped out everything it didn't want right. <laughs> on top of their house. I mean, that crapped out more like an owl can like regurgitate the bones of when it eats and the fur. Uh, it's, I, I feel like, like it's more like, like an owl. Pellet. Yeah. I, I feel like it's more like <laughs> owl pellets. Um, but you know, what were your first thoughts when you watched this? You know, we just watched it this weekend. Um, I mean, I, the whole, like, you know, it won't eat you if you don't look at it kind of thing. It was a little goofy to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that was, that was about it. I mean, I mean, other than that, it's, I mean, it was a pretty standard, like, you know, monster movie. I mean, there's the twist of they're they're trying to film it rather than just kill it. Right. But um, I mean, other than that, it was just, yeah, standard kind of monster movie. Yeah. Um, you know, rewatch, I think it definitely requires a rewatch at some point, probably. Um, we have to get through this next month of October with all the movies we got to watch for that. But all right. I, I, I will, I'll watch it probably really soon again, I think, just to see what more there is, if I'm missing anything else in it. Um, I think it has some rewatchability, not as, not as much as us, but I think there's probably going to be stuff that we missed. Um, I mean, probably. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on. Um, I mean, like I said, I don't feel like I was missing anything. Like again, at this one, I think I think he took uh, a little bit from us, where he's saying like, okay, maybe I don't have to give you as much information, right? Like I can just run with this without giving you any background information. You just know that this thing exists, and that's it. Like you don't know anything else about it, and that still works. It's still, you know, like I said, a monster movie. That you don't need the background for it. Um, so yeah, I think he, I think he probably, I don't know if he learned the lesson from us, but <laughs> I like to, I like to feel that he did. And that's why he, you know, took the weird lore out of it and just kind of made it a thing. Right. It, it almost seemed like a Bert I Gorman or a Roger Corman giant monster movie, right? Like the giant mm-hmm. claw or something like that. You know, just right. not much yeah. explanation. You know, like some of, some of these monster movies, like, oh, it's, you know, a bit atomic bomb dropped on it and became giant or something like that. Um, I think it was a really good creature feature or monster movie, giant monster movie is what it turns out to be. I feel. Yeah, no, it's just, yeah, it's just a, a well-made version of, it. you know, like an actual, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like well acted, you know, well kind of written out, you know, like it's, you know, like there's definitely a plan put in place for this movie. Um, and I gotta say, I was probably, for a while there, at least, you know, towards the end, I was definitely more invested in that monkey story (laughs) 
than I was in the actual movie. I'm like, yeah, this UFO is great and all, but what is going on with this bloody monkey? Oh, man? yeah. Like, I need to find out. I need to know more about this. Right. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the monkey in a little bit here, but mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's a, a UF, you know, UF, UFO, UAP, cre- giant creature. We have to have some suspension of disbelief, right? Well, I mean, yeah, but this is your standard, you know, I'm watching a movie level of suspension of disbelief. Like if you don't like, if you refuse to be like, Oh, UFOs are so unbelievable. There's like, like 50% of all movies will now be unwatchable right. to you. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. Right. So, yeah, if you, if you can't believe that UFOs can make a story, then, yeah, you should not be watching horror or sci-fi or anything of the like. I mean, do you think any disbelief came from their continuously wanting to capture it on film, especially um, after being dumped on blood? Like, I'd gather. I don't think so. I mean, seriously, I mean, because at that point, I mean, obviously, they knew something was going on, and they knew that they would die, but I think they still thought they were okay. You know what I mean? Because they stayed in the house, and they survived just fine. I think at that point, they were like, yeah, if, if bad stuff happens, we'll just run in the house. You know? But think of, of how rich we'll be if we get this <laughs> thing on camera. Right. Um, and I think they were more thinking of that. They were you know, seeing their dollar signs in their eyes. And again, by running in the house and hiding, they survived and they were okay. Even the house survived. Right. So I think at that point they were like, yeah, if it gets bad, we'll just hide in the house. But this is, you know, worth the risk at that point. This is obviously before things got out of hand. Right. At that point, I think they could handle it. Okay. So, I mean, I'd say, you know, creature feature, stuff like that. You have to have some suspension of disbelief. Do you feel this is more of like then, like the creature feature, giant creatures were driving movies right generally speaking they were the popcorn eating movies do you feel like this is kind of in that same line do you think that's just kind of a like the feel that any giant creature movie is going to have yeah yeah and i'll I'll use i'll use a food analogy for this um a lot of people nowadays they like to take a common food right like let's say whatever like mac and cheese Mm -hmm. grilled cheese something like that right and then they like to say that they elevate it right they add some great element to it right and it elevates it to this next level so it takes something simple but you add enough of good things to it and it elevates it to the next level i think that's what happened here. i think you take the basic creature feature because at its heart that's what it is what you put in like good acting interesting subplots you know like interesting you know character interactions you know backstory all that kind of stuff and it elevates it so it's like it's like the creature feature elevated you, you think it's what the creature feature always tried to be Oh yeah, I mean, well, the, oh, okay. I not, don't know if it not, tried not, to be that. I don't think it not, needed to be not that. Not Bernard Gorman or Roger Corman creature features, but like, like creature and Black Lagoon creature feature. Yeah, I mean, I think they would like to be, and I think in their time they were because you know they didn't have you know movies with this level of depth even at that time. Even their <laughs> dramas didn't have that level of depth, you right? Know? Uh, but as we progress, you know, as a medium, yeah. So it gets to that point is th- this is just a progression of, of a well-made and better creature feature as it, as it moves on and, and evolves. This is what it, what it becomes the good version of it. I mean, we've had creature features that, I mean, that Sharknado kind of is one, but do you think this is the first like giant creature in a long while that took itself seriously since probably like Cloverfield? Um, yeah, I would I would say so. I mean, it's been a while since we've had anything 
I mean, I think there was a couple of Godzillas in there, but they were they weren't very good. No, they were they were the Godzilla movies we got were Godzilla movies. That's all they were. That that there was a, they tried right. to be more human and that didn't work. We didn't like that. Right. Like, yeah, but I'm <laughs> saying like as as far as a good one where like it was actually well made and done correctly. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Well, I mean, yeah, did say, you see? Was it Monster with uh, Monster uh, uh, Catwoman? Not the the Christopher Nolan Catwoman. Uh, Anne Hathaway and Jason Stakis, uh-huh. where she's able to like, they had these. They're able to go on the playground, and wherever they were, like the a creature popped up in like Korea or something like that, and started destroying the stuff. It was a couple. It's a couple years old at this point. I think it was called Monster. Um, uh, kind of sounds familiar. I know what was the movie where they were like, where there was like giant monsters. And she's able to control, like were- mimicking what they're doing. Yeah, that's it. Really? Yeah, pretty sure. I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while, but sure, yeah. I think it was some I think it was called Monster. Oh, Colossal. Sorry. It's called Colossal. Colossal. Twenty sixteen. Yeah, black comedy. No, the no, the one I'm thinking of was not a comedy. It was like uh people were like they were like traveling cross country. Um, and they were, it was kind of like a post-apocalyptic thing where, like, there was these giant monsters. Oh, Pacific Rim? They were like, no. no they weren't in Big Rim. No, it was like, it was like a couple. It was like a guy and a girl that were trying to, like, go, like, cross-country in this post-apocalyptic world with these big giant monsters. Doesn't sound familiar to me. Uh, <laughs> whatever. I'll, I'll look it yeah. up later, but. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, yeah, I mean, we obviously with creature features or, or not creature, giant creatures. Oh, sorry, it's monsters. Monsters. Yes, with an S. I knew it was. I was like, I, I was pretty sure it was monster, but no, it's monsters. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, little... yeah. That was like uh, a Last of Us type feel, right? But, yeah, right, yeah. right, right. With the dog, yeah, with the dog. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm okay. thinking. Of. You said <laughs> you said monster, and that's the movie that popped in my head, which is monsters. That's right. Sorry. That's right. Um. Like I said, you know, creature features sometimes, you know, good creature features sometimes are believable things. Like you have Jaws or Cujo, where it is a real life animal just on a rampage. But giant creature features, yes, this is, you have to have some suspension of disbelief. But we didn't know that that's what it was going into this. So we didn't go into it knowing it was going to be that. I mean, I think we kind of, I think the trailers kind of gave it away that it was a UFO. Like, um, and that's okay for this movie. That's okay because that, that's not that's pre twist. Right. <laughs> so they're not giving the twist away, and I think the twist is what's said. right. So you know, any highlights that really stand out for you in this movie? Uh the bloody monkey side story man. <laughs> that we need more of it. That was yes. I know. I need to know what happened. Like what? I mean, obviously they they give you more of it later on, and they kind of explain it. It was just. You know, obviously, it's a monkey in a stressful situation with a pot balloon, and he cracked. Right, right? but and but yeah, yeah, that's like messed up because that. I mean, that happened. I mean, uh, like the the chimp that like ate the lady's face and hands off. Like, right, that was that's a real thing. <laughs> like that was a real story, and that's what happened in this one because they actually show the lady later on. With her face she, eaten, partially eaten off and reconstructed. Yeah, like yeah, she has like no lips right. and her teeth are just like yeah, like, she looks like a skull. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel bad for her, but again, that was just a fantastic side story. That was, there's no reason for it. To no, be there, there wasn't. 
I thought it was great though. I thought it was, <laughs> that was the best part of the movie for me, but there, yeah, really there's like, there's no reason for this to be here. Like they're going to cut this whole thing out. I was thinking about it, but I was thinking about how long it was. Cause it's, it's significantly longer than the other two movies. And I'm thinking, I'm like, what could they have cut out of this? I'm like, they probably could have cut out the whole Gordy. Yeah. Right? could have just cut that whole thing out but then i would have lost my favorite part like i don't want him to cut that out so i'll I'll deal with the two you know over two hour runtime if i get to keep the bloody i mean yeah i mean did did his character really need to be like oh he's an old child star that's all you that you really needed for his character he didn't even need that (laughs) (laughs) he was just running a cowboy thing like you didn't even you didn't need to know anything about his backstory at all. So do you feel like lore was just add add lore? Or, yeah. yeah, and that's good. That's in this in this case it was great. Yes, like in this case it was awesome. He, again, he, there was no lore with the main monster, right? But there was lore with this weird ass side story. But again, it was it was the right kind of lore for the right story, and I, I love that. Yeah, um, I mean, I I think the photographer, the filmographer, was. A great character you know even even the geek squad guy like he was annoying at first and he kind of like oh he's like the lovable idiot right and right. like i think especially in creature features or giant creatures or even horror or sci-fi that you always have the one passionate guy about something that's willing to risk his life for the fame and knowing that he was able to get his impossible shot his dream shot i feel like it's a very common thing sometimes yeah, and, and also he was played by Michael Wincott, who I love. I mean, he played the bad guy in The Crow. <laughs> he was in he was in a lot of other things around that same time period, and he's just he's got that fantastic voice, and he just really sells, you know, like a very serious character. Right. Well, what about low points? I mean, there's there's gonna be some low points, I think, in this movie. Um, low points. Let's see. I mean, it was just. The kind of weird, bizarre thing where he's like, "Just don't look at it, and it won't kill you." I mean, uh, yeah. What? What? <laughs> what are you? What are you talking about? Like, what does that even mean? Um, but yeah, like I didn't get that whole thing, and it was again, it was like pointless. You know, I don't think you needed that at all. I don't know why that was there. I don't, right? Because whatever. it's I don't. Uh, that's a weird thing. Like if 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 this creature is a predator, like I never heard of a predator just not going to eat you because you didn't look at it. <laughs> all right. Yeah, like if the if the prey is looking at you, it's gonna like, it's still gonna try. I mean, it's not gonna catch you because you're looking and you can get out of the way right away. But like, it's still gonna try. It's not gonna stop just because you're looking. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like. Right. (laughs) You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know cats do that sometimes where like you're looking at them and they stop, but like. It's not like when you turn away, they're going to leave. No, they're gonna, they're just going to wait till you stop looking at it for a second. And they're going to move real fast. Right. I mean, that's yeah, that's that's a fair low point, I think, for this um, small cast. I mean, it doesn't need to be big. I don't think his casts are generally big anyway in these things. They don't need to be. Um, but let's go into the twist. You know, did you feel until the twist came that it was a UFO? Like it was almost like a like the war of the worlds, you have creatures sucking you up just to do something with you or like, um, crap. What's that? What's skyline? Right. Okay. I haven't watched it, but yeah, I know what, I know what it is. You watched skyline. I thought, I thought you were watching them out of order. No, well, <laughs> I tried. I, I like, I tried watching three cause I didn't catch that. The three was the E in Skyline. I just, I guess I didn't pay attention to it. And I was watching the beginning of it and it's like, 
you know, it was kind of like a previously on, right? Like the beginning of the movie, and I'm like, this is way too much movie to put into like five minutes. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, hold on a second. I like literally paused it and looked it up. I'm like, this is the third one. Like I didn't even watch the other two. Like, but now I know what happens in the other right. two because it already summed it up in the five minutes that I watched. So I mean, I'll get around to watching yeah. eventually. But at this point, I like I know what happens in them. So. Whatever. We'll do, get you, do you think the twist worked though with it being a creature versus a spaceship? Do you think it really made a difference? Um, I just thought it was interesting. I, you know, because I can't really think of an instance where that was done before. So, I mean, I think that's interesting. Um, I mean, the insides of it being like, you know, the garbage bag, you know, entry in a any haunted house, which is terrifying to me. Right. So, I mean, that those deaths were terrifying to me. <laughs> Um, of being stuck in his guts that were like set up like that. Um, um, I, I mean, it, it was just an interesting twist. I mean, does it need to be there? No, but it's still fun. Um, I mean, but at, before that point, I mean, I didn't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I thought they were just abducting horses and, and people to like test on them and shit. Right. You know? The Who standard, knows? the standard UFO, right? Yeah. Cause at, at that point you didn't know that it was digesting them and then spitting out what it didn't want. Right. Um, you didn't know that it was just like, you knew that it was sucking up horses and maybe sort of people. I think at that point it was just horses. Right. Almost like a, it was almost like a, it felt like a killer clowns from our space vibe where they're taking people and turning them into things just to eat them. Right. <laughs> right. right. But yeah, but the, the, yeah, at that point it was like, you know, it was taking stuff. We didn't know it was digesting. It. Right. I mean, looking back on it, like, okay, yeah, that makes sense because there was like, weird screaming and shit and that was like people literally getting digested right yeah it's it's, it's weird it's like uh a chipmunk just stuffing his cheeks and just saving stuff for later right yeah um you know what what do you think of the last shot though do you do you think that the brother's alive do you think that she was just seeing a ghost through the haze i mean i know there's a lot of people debating whether he's alive or not because we didn't really get a definitive answer do you feel like the final okay, shot was well, him alive? I've watched a lot of movies and a lot of TV shows. And the rule that I go by is, did we see him dead? And did they verify that he was dead? Right. The answer is no, which means he's still. If there's no body, there's no is, body. There's yeah. no death. Well, I mean, even a body is also a possibility. You can come back. Somebody like a doctor has to verify <laughs> that they are dead or they have to be very obviously dead. Like their heads cut off, they're cut in half. I mean, something like that. Somewhere like they're obviously dead. And if you don't see them obviously dead, then in my mind, they're still alive. It's okay. So you, you, you took it as he's alive. Cause I took it as he's alive. Too. He is alive. Yes. yes. I think that was just a, just a verification that all her sister, the sisters work didn't go in vain that he's still alive. Right. Like again, they didn't show him directly getting eaten, so right. it's not it's not, you know, <laughs> out of left field that he's still alive. Okay. I like that. Mm. So I mean I mean, yeah, I, I it was an interesting twist. I mean, it was kind of it, sometimes you don't get to see the full monster, right? Obviously Cloverfield being one of them. Um it was interesting shape of it. Like I said, you, you had what you said it was something in like a dress. <laughs> that's what it looked to me when it was like flying up after the balloon in the sky it looked like like an orchid wearing a dress that's <laughs> what it looked like 
I mean, it, it almost looked like uh, like an underwater jellyfish type thing that like the tentacles everywhere and just like this this wind like thin body is like you know kind of jellyfish flow in the air to me. Yeah, I get that. So, all right. So for this scale, we're going to do number of sky dancers out of ten. What would you give this? Mm. Um. I will give this movie uh, nine out of 10 wacky waving sky dancers. <laughs> um, and that's because the movie itself, I would probably give an eight, but because of Gordy, I'll give it. A- yeah. I'm, I love sci-fi. I love UFOs. I love stuff like that, but especially watching these all back to back. I mean, to me, I feel this was his weakest movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll probably have to give it uh that's a seven and a half. Yeah, and that's fair. And like I said, I'd I'd be right there with you if Gordy. Was I mean, yeah, Gordy was awesome. I uh, that was Gordy pushed, pushed it up. <laughs> yeah, so you gave him bonus points for bloody chimpanzee. Yep, that's fair. Exactly, that's bonus points. Right. So, is it horror? Is it sci-fi? Or is it an American western? Or all three? What do you think? Um. I definitely think it has elements of all three. I would say it's probably more sci-fi than anything else. I would say sci-fi, then horror, then Western. Um, Because like I said, there's definitely elements of all of them, but I would say it's more sci-fi than anything because it wasn't really like a, you know, any like traditional horror, like, you know, suspense or, you know, like hunting or fear or anything like that. I mean, there, there kind of was when they were hiding in the house, but that was more played off as like a comedic thing. Right. You know what I mean? It wasn't like they were, you didn't really feel that they were seriously in danger. Um, but, and if, and when they did, it was more like a sci-fi danger than a horror danger. So in my mind, it would, yeah, I'd be sci-fi first, horror second, Western third. Yeah. I mean, this is something we've discussed and touched on briefly is, you know, sci-fi horror. And I said, this is, feels like the atomic age of creatures, which, you know, 50s and 60s was the horror, realistically. So I think it fits into that sci-fi horror nature. Definitely more sci-fi, just because, I don't know, it's, it's going to be hard to not classify aliens as sci-fi, right? Right, yeah. UFOs always get sci-fi. Right. So, I mean, overall, I mean, the trilogy of movies that he's written and directed, obviously, you know, he, he wrote the screen for for Candyman, which we'll discuss in the Candyman franchise when we get to it. Um, but, you know, is there, you know, so we have, you know, from him, we have Thriller, we have Changeling, Body Snatchers, and we have Alien slash Giant Creature. What would you want to see next from Jordan Peele? What what other kind of trope or plot line do you think he'd be able to take on? Um, Let's see. Uh, I'd like to see it just do a straight Western. Straight Western. <laughs> <laughs> I want oh, here's a I want everybody to think that it's going to be a sci-fi or a horror Western, but it's not. It's just going to be regular. <laughs> I think that's going to be the twist. Is it's just a Western? Just, just Western. Mm-hmm. I would like to see his take on slashers. Okay, yeah, just like it's like uh, whatever that murders people one by one kind of thing. right because he leans you know his his social commentary especially in you know that he has with the black community and, and you know unfortunately the the trope that exists in the slasher movies I want to see his take on that I like to see that 
I think he could elevate. I'm, I'm saying you know, we talk about his. He's taking these things and elevating it. Slashers are just mindless things, right? A slasher is a slasher. I want to see what he'd be able to do with that. How if he if he'd be able to pull off the elevation really well? I think he would. Hmm. I mean, we could argue that Candyman's um, kind of in that realm, but um, like I want to see a slasher slasher. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get. You. Makes sense. Now, here's one other topic I have for you. Um, we've discussed this briefly in the past. Is do you feel overall his movies work as a full length movie, or do you think these kind of feel like Twilight Zone episodes? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I definitely feel like they're Twilight Zone episodes. Um, and I think all of these stories could have been told as just Twilight Zone episodes. Um, and I think, you know, like I said, what they're doing here is they're just adding more to it. Um, I mean, fortunately, adding more to it and with these movies and these stories is it works for right. It, right? It, it makes it good. They're still good movies because of it. But I think you could easily cut these down to be, you know, one hour Twilight Zone episodes. And I don't think I think you would get the same point across, maybe not as well, because there's a lot of cool side stuff and, and character building and, you know, just suspense and stuff. You'd probably have to cut out in order to tell the whole story. But right. You definitely could. I mean, and they definitely work as as Twilight Zone episodes. The the ideas of them definitely feel like Twilight Zone episodes. Oh yeah, I mean, it's Twilight Zone. I feel laid the groundwork for a lot of storylines and story arcs that we see that we've seen for the past what sixty years. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I think yeah, they're good movies. Um, I hope he continues doing these. I hope he doesn't get burned out and doing horror movies. You know, he's doing a bang up job so far you know i hope he can keep the momentum going because i you know you know people have been you know comparing him to like john carpenter or Wes craven um and obviously th- those guys too also have movies that aren't good that they make right you know do you think we'll see a flop from jordan peele um i think in a long enough timeline we will i mean even Carpenter had some that were less than stellar. Right. Um, uh, well, I mean, it's kind of interesting because I know there's a quote uh, that Jordan Peele said is that like they said he was the greatest, um, you know, living horror creator, and he <laughs> said he I, I won't take any of that John Carpenter's slander, right. You know, so he's definitely a fan. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, Carpenter had some that were not as good. I mean, I wouldn't say he had like bad movies, but he definitely had some that weren't as good. And I think he'll be in the same boat. Eventually, he'll make one that's not as good. Yeah, I mean, um, I think his name will still carry weight, just like Carpenter's name held weight for a long right. time. Right, or Craven. Yeah. Right. But, you yeah. Know. So, I mean, I think his name will, you know, carry weight because obviously he's proven that he can do it more than once. He's not a one and done. He's not a one hit one. Right. Um, you know, he's definitely keep going. So, yeah, his name will still hold weight. I, again, some of the movies in the future won't be as good. I mean, that's just going to be granted, but um, I think he'll be good. I think he'll be doing good for the Right, I, I think for any foreseeable future, I'm going to be excited for anything that has his name attached to it. Yeah, so far, yes. <laughs> until until he makes something that uh, you know is just not good in my eyes, then I might not be as excited. But as for right now, I am definitely excited. So, yeah, and I said, I, I, I said, I can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah, I look forward to his stuff. I think he's a great director, a great writer in this new wave, this renaissance of horror we've had for the past really seven or eight years. And I hope it continues. You know, the eighties was a huge year for, for horror moves. I think the 
2010s and the 2020s are really shaping up to be that next wave. We can only yes. hope. All right. Is there anything else we we can think about discuss on this? I don't have anything else. Uh, nope. I don't. I can't think of anything. Okay. Well, then let's go ahead and close this off. So stay tuned for next week's podcast. We'll be discussing video rentals, old school versus new school. Old school being video stores and new school being video on demand. So this is Graveyard saying, have you checked on the children? Uh, this is Salem saying, long live the new flesh. <laughs>